0: Hey, everybody, we are back again today. We're talking about the 2008 sci-fi action film Doomsday. And this is kind of a departure from us. uh, This is kind of a departure from the type of film we really usually discuss. This is a big budget, big box office. uh, It wasn't a box office hit. It was a box office failure because it failed to make. The money it cost to to produce the film, but yeah. we've got big names, we got big dollars, we got extremely high production value. Oh yeah, and two, this, it's kind of a love letter to some of my favorite movies. Yeah, the re- movie was made on a budget of thirty million dollars. It made twenty two and a half million dollars at the box office, which is about twenty two. And a quarter million dollars more than most of the movies we talk about
1: it's got like it's made by a guy who got famous off of like making uh low budget kind of like movies sure so it's got that heart of like a but it's like yeah it's like someone took a guy that makes low budget movies gave him a dream budget and it's like go hog wild and he got like to pick his stars and shit and somehow even though it's got that shine of like a big budget movie it's still at heart it's like a fucking it's like a trash movie you know
0: yes yes Peter Jackson did the exact same thing with Lord of the Rings he took right. all of the tricks that he learned making low budget schlock and put them to work on a 200 million dollar budget and made a cinematic masterpiece that still holds true to his B-movie values. And this guy did the same thing. Yeah. Um, Neil Marshall, the writer-director of this movie, uh, said that it was heavily influenced by Escape from New York, Mad Max, and 28 Days Later. There are a couple of other movies that are pretty obvious in here as well, and we'll point those out too. Movie run. It's a long movie. It's an hour and 48 minutes, but it goes by really, really fast.
1: Yeah. It's, it's like a roller coaster. Once you, get, once you get out of the city, it gets crazy, you know? Yes.
0: And something that I typically hate in a movie, there's lots of voiceover narrative, but this, in this case, it works. Yeah and they they tell you things that it's just better to say it than it is to try to show it. A lot of times when folks use voiceover narrative, they're telling you things that they could very very easily just show you. Yeah. But in this case it works. Neil Marshall, the writer director best known as a horror director, his first two films, The Dog Soldiers and The Descent, were Made on a budget about a fifth the size of the budget for this movie. Yeah. Oh man. And Dog Soldiers is a badass movie. I haven't seen Dog Soldiers. I did get free tickets to see The Descent at the uh, that multiplex up by Hundred Oaks Mall.
1: Oh yeah, the Hollywood. Yes. Yeah. That's. I love that theater. I've been there so many times, man. It's gorgeous. I love it. I don't know. I saw uh dog soldier. Like it, if it, it was released in England and stuff, but it wasn't distributed over here. And but Sci Fi bought the rights to it. Sci Fi Channel, and they released it as like a Sci Fi, you know, movie. That's yeah. why I started a like, premiere on Sci Fi Channel, and I was blown away. Uh, because for one, I never heard of the director and stuff. Uh, two, all the people that are in it went on to be really big. Some were already big in it, you know, when they came into it. But a lot of people like the next couple of years, their their uh their uh, career like kind of blew up. And it was like it was kind of cool seeing them, I was like, oh I know that guy. He was in Rome. Because nice. I watched a British shit. And uh yeah, I was like, oh man, I can't believe someone made a cool ass werewolf movie of, you know, and uh, uh spoilers, Dog Soldiers about soldiers getting lost and killing werewolves. Uh yes. go check it.
0: I think I actually may have seen that. Or or maybe parts of it. I don't know. Uh, It's it's a good movie. So Neil Marshall also directed two episodes of Game of Thrones, which got him a primetime Emmy nomination. He directed an episode of the HBO series Westwood and an episode of Hannibal. He didn't win the primetime Emmy for Game of Thrones, but he did win uh, the Hugo Award. He also won a Saturn Award for Best Horror Film and a British Independent Film Award for Best Director, both of those for The Descent. And he reuses a lot of actors, too. So, I mean, very typical of a low-budget writer-director is get your core actors and use them over and over again in movies. And and he does the same thing.
1: A lot of people that's in this movie, uh, Doomsday, was in Dog Soldiers, I think.
0: Right. Like and up. they were also a lot of them were also in dissent cinematographer for this film, Sam McCurdy, known for Game of Thrones, Into the Badlands, Carnival Row. Last week's episode or last episode of our podcast, The Knights of Bad and yeah. The Legend of Hercules. So he's done some really beautiful stuff and he's done some trash. <laughs>
1: you got to roll with the punches.
0: Yep. Special effects coordinator Kevin Adcock, and I mention him because in addition to do, make doing some fabulous special effects in this movie, he also worked in Black Hawk Down and Blood Diamond. Nice. Right. Yeah, that's a really cool, like, uh, gore
1: effects and stuff, and it's, it's really badass.
0: Movie stars Rona Mitra as Eden Sinclair, known for Party of Five, The Practice, Boston Legal, Nip Tuck, Underworld, Rise of the Lycans, and Supergirl. So some hits and some misses there. Yeah. (laughs) Bob Hoskins as Bill Nelson, best known to me at least as Eddie Valiant in Who Framed Roger Rabbit.
1: He also played Mario in that god-awful Mario
0: movie. He sure did. (laughs) He has been a character actor since 1972, appeared in The New Scotland Yard, Pennies from Heaven, Pink Floyd, The Wall, Mona Lisa, and like you said, Super Mario Brothers. Also, he played, he was great in Hook. I remember
1: him just, I love that character, Smee. I mean, it really Smee on screen.
0: Yeah. Adrian Lester as Sergeant Norton, best known for The Day After Tomorrow, Primary Colors and Hustle. He also had recurring roles in a number of UK TV series and miniseries that I haven't heard of because I'm an uncultured piece of crap, I guess. I've seen him in a
1: bunch of shit. He's always like the angry ass tough guy, you know, <laughs> like a true British bulldog. He's just like he's got that look on his face. and shit. Yeah.
0: Yeah. He's, he's either going to be a gang leader or a cop or something. Yeah. Sometimes both. Sure. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> Alexander Siddig as Prime Minister John Hatcher, best known as Dr. Julian Bashir in Star Trek: Deep Space Nine. Like we got you, Bashir. We called you out. Deep Space Nine, aka the best Star Trek, aka the last Star Trek I cared about. I don't care what you say. Fight me.
1: The cartoon's pretty cool, but yeah, uh, Deep Space Nine. Uh, we always called it Space House. <laughs> <laughs> It was like a soap opera in space, you know, and uh, yeah, that was my favorite one.
0: Yeah, it was like everything that Babylon 5 tried to be and failed.
1: Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I like Babylon 5. There's certain things in it I like, but yeah, Deep Space Nine, all the way, man. Captain Cisco, oh. captain.
0: Yes, he was. He was one of
1: the best captains. It had Quark in it, man. I mean, I could sit here and talk about Deep
0: Space Nine all day. All day. Yeah. I'm right there with you. <laughs> David O'Hara as Canaris, best known for Braveheart, Wanted, and Cowboys and Aliens. I kind of remember seeing Cowboys and Aliens. That was a weird movie. I kind of remember starting to watch it, and I don't think I finished it. Yeah, I I was waiting for the aliens to show up, and then uh, yeah. (laughs) He also had roles in The District, The Departed, Gotham, and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Craig Conway. As Saul, Greg Conway appears in Ted Lasso, The Irregulars, and a whole bunch of British series and TV shows, again, that I haven't heard of because, like I said, I'm as uncultured as you can get. (laughs) (laughs) And then finally, we have Malcolm McDowell as Kane. Oh, yeah. This is the real star power in this movie. Yeah, I love, (laughs) like, a of his movies, man. And what's what's a shame is he's such a minor role compared to, say, Saul. Yeah. Well, he's kind of like uh, he's like he kind of fits in this one, you know.
1: Right. Like uh, I don't know how to like say this without giving away spoilers, but like he's like uh, the big bad kind of, you know. And so like all he's got to do is show up, deliver a couple lines, give sure. that here that he does, like, like a look, a glance, and then like you know. Just spoil, spoil the, the main uh, good guys, you know.
0: Right. But I love this character. Malcolm McDowell has been an incredibly prolific character actor and voice actor from 1964 to present. Known for A Clockwork Orange, Star Trek Generations, and the 2007 remake of Halloween. Also appeared in Castlevania, We Bear Bears, Phineas and Ferb, Metalocalypse entourage ah and he took over for ricardo montalban as mr rourke in the 1998 reboot of fantasy island probably his most important work ever was a series of sprint commercials that he did with james earl jones oh man i need to bring that up (laughs) i have tickets to the show
1: anybody wants them message me i'll take them i said to message me not post it in the comments I disregard your request. Come on, man. No, follow private message procedures. You went
0: rogue. Now look at us having it out in the comment section. Dude, you've turned into a monster. You made me this way. Yeah, I love the Sprint commercials. Totes my goats. All right. So the plot of this movie revolves around a viral epidemic, but we aren't going to talk too much about the virus. It's also about racial politics and knee-jerk reactions to a threat. But we aren't going to talk too much about that either. This is is an action movie, plain and simple. Some of the most powerful messages in the movie are just really plot devices to justify the action. They, They don't matter beyond making the action make sense. We get a narrative voiceover explaining that the epidemic started on April 3rd, 2008 in Glasgow, Scotland. It was a bloodborne virus that caused horrible blisters and violent respiratory issues. As a result, England decided to quarantine all of Scotland, building a 30-foot wall across the land border and placing mines in all the coastal waters to make sure nobody leaves. Cut to June 20th of that same year at the border between Scotland and England, Catherine Sinclair and her young daughter Eden have arrived to try to cross the border into England before they close the gate. Everybody in Scotland has been ordered to quarantine at home, but people are trying to get out of the country before they get sick, and the military are there to stop that from happening. One of the soldiers thinks he sees something, so he jumps down and goes through the crowd. He grabs a guy wearing a hoodie and spins him around to find his face covered with bloody blisters. This guy has the Reaper virus. So the soldier does the only thing that makes sense. He opens fire on the guy, spraying blood all over the crowd. These people are now all infected with the Reaper virus. Get going, guy the you know, one job
1: he's supposed to do and he screws it up.
0: Yeah, so this is this is the part that was inspired by 28 Days Later. So it's a virus spread by blood contact and it happens immediately after you touch the blood. Yeah. So the mob overpowers the soldiers, and they start to break through the fence. The soldiers fall back to machine guns, and they just open fire on the crowd, killing anything that moves. A piece of shrapnel hits young Eden Sinclair in the eye, and as the situation gets worse, the soldiers are evacuating the area. They head through a gate in the 30-foot-high wall and close the door. The mob arrives just as the doors are closing, uh, locking them out. A lot of hands get crushed in that door as it, as it closes. Oh, yeah. Inside the wall, a second set of doors slam shut, and they are immediately welded shut. The woman with Catherine Sinclair and her child, uh, they see soldiers still on this side of the wall heading toward a helicopter. She runs after them and she tries to get them to take her baby with them. The pilot yells back that they got to leave, that they're already overloaded. Nobody's coming with them. One of the soldiers decides he's going to be a hero. So he jumps down out of the helicopter so that uh, they can take the child. And as they leave, she hands them an envelope addressed to her. So it's got her name and their address on it so that the girl will be able to remember. The helicopter takes off just as a mob of infected people reach them. And that's the end of that scene. Yeah. We get a little more narration of how England quarantined all of Scotland along the old Antonin Wall. This was a dirt wall that was built as the northwestern border of the Roman Empire around 100 AD. And that's still there. You can go see that today. Yeah, But that's where uh, they built this wall to make sure nobody goes in, nobody goes out. Inside Scotland, chaos ensued and the people of Scotland basically killed each other off. As a result, the world governments all levied heavy sanctions against Britain for this egregious human rights disaster, causing the British economy to completely collapse. And there are now hundreds of thousands of homeless and unemployed people in england we go to a shipyard at night in present day london present day is the year 2035 we see a soldier with a smart watch used to view the image from an eyeball spy camera
1: i love that like, i do too
0: uh,
1: it's so cool james bondish you know but at the same time it's like oh man yeah they would totally have that, like in like some kind of sci-fi movie, shitty sci-fi movie.
0: Right. Yeah, she turns the little dial on her watch, and you see the eyeball spin around to look at another area. It's really slick. Yeah. This is Eden Sinclair, all grown up. She is wearing an eye patch. Remember, the shrapnel took out her right eye. She gets to go ahead to start whatever plan that they are executing. And she starts shooting the lookouts at this ship, then climbs across a rope to board the docked ship. As she's doing this, you can see other armed soldiers going across the gangplank to, to board the ship. Inside, we see a group of people conducting some kind of supposedly illegal exchange. One of them's got a suitcase handcuffed to his arm and they pop open the suitcase to show it filled with gold bars. As the soldiers work their way through the ship, one of them finds a woman in a bathtub who immediately grabs a shotgun and starts shooting at him. (laughs)
1: Like you do.
0: You do, you know, anytime. I know personally, when I'm in the bathtub, if anybody pokes their head in the door, I'm I'm not going to open fire, but maybe somebody would. (laughs) The people with the money assume that this was a setup, and they start shooting each other. Eden walks into the bathroom where the shotgun lady is and fires through the side of the bathtub, killing her and causing blood-stained water to pour out onto the floor. Back where the deal was going down, the suitcase is now handcuffed to a dead man, so they grab a machete because what kind of cargo ship doesn't have a machete? and chops the dead man's hand off. (laughs) The woman grabs the suitcase to leave, but she runs into Eden's partner, who shoots her in the chest, killing her. That's when the boss grabs him and puts a shotgun to his neck, telling him to drop his weapon. Eden rolls her eyeball camera out into the hallway to get a picture of what's going on, and sets it to record the entire interaction that will follow, because... What's more conspicuous, a head poking around a corner or an eyeball rolling out into the hallway? You would think the
1: eyeball's weird, but like, nah, she knows how to use that thing. Plus, <laughs> so cool,
0: you know? Well, she's walking up on him and her partner is ordering her not to shoot. And the boss with the shotgun is backing away with his hostage, but he bumps into something and that causes him to accidentally pull the trigger, blowing the soldier's head off. Oh my god, that gore! It was pretty awesome.
1: Yeah, like it was yeah.
0: nice and chunky the way it would be. It wasn't just fake blood thrown against the wall. Like, yeah, I mean, it,
1: uh, just the craftsmanship of all the all the effects in this movie is really awesome. And you, you get a little bit of that when they uh, they're shooting up the zombies and shit. Yeah, but that head thing—once you see that, you're like, okay, it's gonna be that kind of movie, and you I just mean-
0: roll. It's going to be green, grimy. It's going to be gritty. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Good shot. You're right. It is. Well, Sinclair just unloads her pistol into this guy now. The chief of the Department of Domestic Security, Bill Nelson, and Major Eden Sinclair are sitting on the steps outside the ship at the shipyard. She's looking at the envelope that her mother gave her when she put her on the helicopter. Yeah, she puts that away and then pops her camera eye back into his socket and then bums a cigarette. When she does, when she gets that eye back in, it, it's got this weird wonky eye thing going on. Yeah. I loved that. She's got to blink a few times to get that eye pointing in the right direction, and it, it that was a good effect. Yeah. So. Bill Nelson is is her boss, and apparently she's the dirty hairy cop, and he's the grizzled old detective that's responsible for her.
1: <laughs>
0: or lieutenant that's responsible for her. She gives him a gold disc that comes out of her watch and contains the recording of what happened, and he sends her home to get some rest. Next we see police in riot gear raiding what looks like a tenement or a homeless encampment. They break open a door to find, well stacked corpses of victims of the reaper virus not all of them are corpses some of them are still alive sort of well they quickly get the hell out of there cut to the prime minister arriving to be briefed on the outbreak of the reaper virus that's been found in london outside the building military has summoned bill nelson to a briefing by the prime minister and bill has switched to a uh, a foul mouth cockney now you know, he, he was he was nice and uh, you know a good guy, nice and consoling when he was talking to to Sinclair at the shipyard, and and now he's just a a, a, a dock worker.
1: <laughs> well, it's like he's around like you know his uh, you know killer or whatever you know, so it's like he's like a father figure, you know. He's but then he goes. To where like all the money men are, all like, all the government bigwigs and shit, and he he has like contempt for them, so he comes in there just cussing them out, right? He hates them and shit, you know. he's he acts more like a person, you know, instead of like you know a suit. It's like a, a complete one eighty from what like just five seconds earlier in the movie,
0: right? Well, in the briefing, it's explained that they plan to implement martial law and flood the canals and subway tunnels, basically cutting off London from the rest of the country. Nelson is opposed to this idea for obvious reasons, and as soon as he speaks up, the prime minister wants to see him privately, and the whole briefing is kind of forgotten about at that point. Yeah. In the prime minister's office, it turns out they're not going to chew him out. They want to show him satellite surveillance of Glasgow that shows survivors that they've known about for three years and haven't told anybody. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, at this point, this is 27 years after they sealed off Scotland. And now apparently they assumed everyone was dead. Now they find out there are survivors. They thought the virus killed everybody. Well, they want to send a military strike force into Scotland to bring back a cure for the reaper virus. That's the only reason there could be survivors is somebody in Scotland developed a cure. They cut off all communication with the country, so they don't know what happened. They just assume there's a cure there. They need Bill Nelson to provide a leader for their team. This is a political maneuver as much as it is an attempt to cure the Reaper epidemic. Don't make no mistake about that. At the Department of Domestic Security, Nelson is meeting with Sinclair. She's the one he wants to lead the team, so he's explaining the mission to her and also the fact that Canaris is actually in charge not the prime minister he drops her off at a helicopter and she gives him the envelope from her mother to hold on to for her inside the helicopter is none other than Canaris he gives Sinclair info on Dr Marcus Kane who is the only person who could possibly have developed a cure is an infectious diseases researcher in Glasgow When all this went down, he also gives her a GPS tracker for extraction and tells her if she doesn't find the cure, she shouldn't bother coming back.
1: Roll escape from New York. Exactly. I mean, you got this person, this badass soldier with one eye and like, it's just escape from New York, but with like a chick.
0: Yeah. It's a woman instead of Kurt Russell. Yeah. So Canaris gets out of the helicopter into the rain and then the helicopter takes Sinclair to the wall. Meanwhile, in London, riots are starting as martial law has been imposed and the military has blockaded the city. The prime minister is losing his shit. (laughs) But Canaris explains that if he just calms down, this will be fine. We just need the people of London to die so that they don't spread the virus. At the wall, Sinclair meets with her team. There are other people there are no other people within miles of this wall. The sentries were automated years ago, so they've got automated motion sensing machine guns, and we get to watch them blow up a little bunny rabbit.
1: <laughs>
0: They're going to use heavily armored personnel carriers to go to get them into Glasgow. These things are supposed to be pla- practically indestructible. I read while researching this that they tried to get old decommissioned military equipment but it turned out to be a lot less expensive to just build them themselves yeah
1: they just they pretty much made a tank
0: they made two yeah. of them and they're awesome they, they do they
1: they are awesome they look like kind of futuristic and shit i guess for like 2008 but yeah they're they're awesome
0: yeah they're they're pretty pretty massive things so we get the introduction the introduction of the entire team beginning with Sergeant Norton. He is the ranking NCO. Next, we meet Chandler. He's one of the drivers, and Corporal Reed is the other driver. The riflemen Miller and Carpenter, named for George Miller, who made Mad Max, and John oh. Carpenter, who made Escape from New York. And then we get to see their bio suits that will protect them from the virus and bad guys. Plus, they got prototype silicon four grenades. Those bio suits look stupid though. (laughs) They look like they look like BMX gear.
1: Yeah. Like with helmets. Yeah. This I'm like, I'm not wearing this. I'd rather die. (laughs) Get me caught out in this damn thing.
0: Carpenter has a bad attitude, so we know instantly he's gonna die. He does not like the idea that as a department of domestic security soldier that he has to answer to a major in the department of domestic security yes yeah, it's, it's like in aliens you know it's like
1: the scientists and the marines are always like each other's throat or like a day of the dead you know
0: yeah yeah
1: it's like they the scientists hate being around the grunts Cause they think they're stupid and they're like, well, you know, if you just sit and think about it, but like, you know, the Marines are all reactionary and it's all, you know, based military kind of protocol. So it's, it's that old situation where you got, you know, the nerds and the jocks kind of each other's throats, but that's
0: your team, you know? Exactly. We also have a couple of doctors on this issue that are referred to as their cargo. We have Dr. Talbot and Dr. Sterling. They are infectious diseases, researchers. Assigned to the mission. Medics, pretty much. Basically, yeah. We see some workers cutting through the welds and powering down the sentries so the team can drive through the gate. As soon as they're through the gate, the gate is closed and welded shut behind them. And we get to drive through the Scottish wasteland. Nice. They miss all the dead cars, but apparently couldn't miss the cow. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <Fuck>, uh... <laughs> They're just, like, driving past, like, all
1: these cars with skeletons in them and stuff, and they're, like, dun, 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 you know, and it's, like, the music's playing and stuff, and you're going, and then, like, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, there's just a cow in the middle of the road, like, because it's Scottish, you know, like, country and shit, and they're, like, right. what, what the fuck? is like, uh, I think I hit something. You, yeah, it was a cow. Uh, it was just a cow. And then the camera comes outside where the personal thing, and they're in a field of fucking cows.
0: Like, exactly! So Millions of Apparently, all of Scotland turned to cannibalism because they didn't know they could eat the damn cows. <laughs> this is kind of a weird thing. There's a guy on YouTube called the Hoof GP, and he is a cattle hoof trimmer. And i and I watched, watched this because it's interesting to me. But apparently, most of southern Scotland is dairy farms and cattle ranches. And so they drive through the wall into southern Scotland and there are cows fucking everywhere. Like a literal. Like, I mean, it's like <laughs> a zombie hurting.
1: It's like that one level. Uh there was like used to be a hidden level in the Diablo two and you like, I don't know, you bite like an army of cows. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. You know, um, so, um, I've got to admit this. I've never played any of the Diablo games. Oh, man,
1: they're sweet. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, there's a, uh, you do, like, some kind of
0: trick or something, and you
1: attack a cow, and then, like, you're transported to this field, and there's, like, a bunch of cows, and you got to kill them all, and then there's, like, a demon <laughs> cow leader.
0: <laughs> that sounds hilarious.
1: It is. You can watch it on YouTube, and it's <laughs> funny to tell.
0: Well they get back on the road and Sinclair briefs the team on Dr. Kane. He had been holed up in a hospital when the military unit with a military unit and gave regular reports on military frequencies until the power failed. He basically documented the conversion to cannibalism in Glasgow. If they like I said, if they'd just known about all the cows, that could all been avoided. We get a really nice shot of them grow, driving through the overgrown streets of Glasgow. Little trees popping up all over the place. The buildings have been spray painted with numbers. And Sinclair explains that that's the number of people that were hiding out inside the buildings waiting for waiting for help to arrive. They arrive at St. Andrew's Hospital where Dr. Kane's lab was. Inside, Sinclair's got her eyeball out again, using it to peep around a corner. But there's nothing in this place. It's, it's kind of like an episode, like a scene out of the Adams Family. She's just got her, her eye in her fingers peeping around the corner like she's <laughs> a thing or something. The hospital looks like it was abandoned a long, long time ago, but the team isn't taking any chances. The drivers stayed with the vehicles, of course. And when Norton radios that they are entering the lab on the fifth floor, Chandler notices that his video speed from outside the vehicle is messing up. Upstairs, we get some contrived banter while the team is searching for evidence of Kane's work on a cure for the virus. Down on the street, Chandler is trying to get this video camera to work again. When we get our very first jump scare of the movie, when a woman suddenly appears on his camera.
1: <laughs> Gotta love those jump scares.
0: Yeah, right, right. Well, Chandler, being a man's man, well, he cannot let a woman sit out there when he could, without trying to save her. So he just abandons all protocol because there's a woman out there who needs help. And as soon as I saw that, I know Chandler's gonna die. Yeah. Well, he suits up and he gets out and, and goes up to the woman who immediately collapses in his arms. So he carries her back to the vehicle. In the lab, they are searching a room that looks untouched when a Carpenter goes around a corner and takes a spiky club right to the face. Oh, that was awesome. It was. It was really good. So he's dead. Cue the punk rock cannibals. They are coming from everywhere. It's like cockroaches when you turn on the kitchen light. They are coming out of everywhere. But with mohawks. With mohawks. Pink, blue, green mohawks. Lots of chains. Lots of biker wallets. Baseball vests with spikes in them. Yes. Norton radios that they need evacuation so Chandler carries the girl into the APC and zips her into an isolation bed as the team face a nonstop stream of punk rock cannibals they start throwing molotov cocktails out the window as well so chandler is trying to drive through debris and flames blocking the road while the girl he rescued cuts open the isolation bed sneaks up behind chandler and cuts his throat what a dumbass! well he dies and the apc crashes but before he dies he manages to pull the pin on a grenade when the APC crashes, the girl gets thrown against the back wall, the grenade rolls right up between her legs and blows her out the back of the grenade, at uh, the back of the APC. <laughs> Reed continues to try to evade cannibals and get to the team in the hospital. Meanwhile, the team heads for the elevator even though there's no electricity. Sinclair's crazy dumbass plan is to pile them all into the elevator shoot the cable causing the elevator to free fall and then detonate a foam grenade that will cushion their landing.
1: It was awesome. It was it, it,
0: in theory is like something you come up with, like, I don't know. in D&D. <laughs> So you're
1: like, yeah, that sounds, you know, let's, let's do it, you know? And, uh, I mean, they pulled it off, but yeah, at the same time, They pulled it
0: off, even though that's not how elevators work and that's not how expanding foam works, but they pulled it off. Yeah. Outside, Reed is fighting off a cannibal who's on the roof of the APC. He has broken out the windshield and is trying to get to her, so she pepper sprays him, which causes him to stand up on the APC just in time to get Max headroomed on a sign in the parking garage.
1: Oh, man, you had to talk about Max headroom yes love that show
0: oh
1: man i got it on tv right now they really need a remake i'm sorry to get on side tangent. they really need a remake or bring back max headroom
0: well i i maybe i don't know i don't know i think it was kind of a it was one of those period things that really doesn't translate so well right now i don't know man the way like the Internet
1: culture and stuff is and like everything's like a talking head, maybe I more fun with it, like as like uh, what do you call it, uh, parody, you know, like tick tock and shit. But okay, that's yeah. that's a side get off, but yeah, uh, he gets bonked off the top of the tank and then not get like ran over or something.
0: I'm not sure, but they do meet uh She does meet up with the team, manages to meet up with Reed, and they all climb into the APC. Just as the mosh pit catches up to him, Reed drives off through the streets, dodging Molotov cocktails until a Mohawk crossbowman shoots through the broken windshield, hitting Reed in the throat and killing her. The APC hits a barricade and flips on its side, so the remaining members of the team grab their weapons and bail out, and street fighting ensues, with Sinclair given directions as they fight off a swarm of punk rock cannibals norton gets shot in the leg miller is overcome and beaten down and Sincla- as just as sinclair runs out of ammo norton and sterling manage to get away as talbot and sinclair are carried away as prisoners and sterling's yelling at them like they're s- yelling at them that they are savages sounding <laughs> a lot like nigel thornberry yeah <laughs> i say unhand me
1: yeah, get the guy with the heaviest British
0: accent to say that shit. <laughs> and, the- and this is where we meet Viper, a cannibal woman with extensive and intricate face tattoos. Looking oh, like she just stepped off the Mad Max set. Man,
1: that, that chick, like she pretty much sold this movie because like, in all the uh, press and stuff, all the uh, posters, it relied heavy on her. The trailer like, is like 40% this chick and uh, right. yeah I
0: love this chick he's awesome. Alright back at the punk rock base camp Sinclair is suspended from the ceiling by her wrists in a cell Saul has come to spit beer at her it's been almost 30 years since the fall of Scotland and they won't eat the cows but they still have beer cans. Saul. Well, is yeah. well yeah I mean you got priorities right? All right. Yeah. It was like, you know, Saul's crazy. Um, he beats Sinclair while Viper watches and he wants to know where she came from and he's prepared to torture her to get her to talk. Um, it seems that Saul leads a breakaway group that used to follow Dr. Kane. Kane had told them that there's nothing and nobody beyond the wall, that it's just an uninhabited land out there. Saul has a giant, biohazard emblem tattooed on his back too that's going to come up again he plans for Sinclair to lead them over the wall and into England but first it's feeding time and Saul and Viper leave giving the guard instructions to keep Sinclair alive also one of the guards has taken Sinclair's watch and is playing with that before she leaves though Viper takes the GPS beacon and away from Sinclair, and apparently she knows what that is because she activates it, drops it on the floor, and then stomps on it, destroying it. There's another woman in a nearby cell that wants to talk to Saul about something, but um, he's got a show to put on. Oh man, cue the Mad Max Punk Rock Cannibal Music Festival with chainsaws, fire dancers. Motorcycles, acrobats, and pole dancers.
1: It is the most badass circus I've ever seen. <laughs> I really want to. Cook them. I don't know. It's like yeah, it's a cross between a uh, uh, Burning Man and like I don't know Kiss Psycho Circus. is <laughs> insane.
0: <laughs> it's it's, it's kind, of, kind of awesome.
1: Yeah, uh, it's got a good soundtrack, like a lot of '80s new wave shit going on, and just people are losing their fucking minds, man.
0: They are. Saul is the consummate showman. He enters this Thunderdome atmosphere (laughs) backed by good thing, by the fine young cannibals. I know, right? (laughs) Uh, Which is immediately followed by men in kilts doing the (laughs) can-can. Scotland, wait. (laughs) I guess. Sinclair is listening from her cell as Saul whips the crowd into a frenzy for barbecued human. They bring in Dr. Talbot suspended from a crane and lower him over a pit surrounded by the cannibals. Paper plates are being thrown out into the crowd. This was so awesome. I know, right? <laughs> as Viper lights the fire, burning Talbot alive. Oh, yeah. She does that with a flare, man. She does. It- It's fucking awesome the way that shit goes up. She's good at her job and she loves what she does. In her cell, Sinclair is scavenging parts from the broken GPS beacon while Saul and Viper make out by the barbecue pit. Sinclair manages to MacGyver her eye with the GPS beacon as Saul and Viper slice up and serve the now fully cooked Dr. Talbot. Yes,
1: well done, dude. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Outside Sinclair's cell, a guard is playing with her watch as another guard brings Sinclair a plate of Dr. Talbot and tells her if she's hungry, why don't she try a bite of her friend? She calls the guard back and says, what does it take to get a glass of a cup of water? And then she grabs him by his by the chain connected to his earring. And she's pulling hard, too. She convinces him to unlock the door to her cell. And when, she, when he does, she pulls him in and kills him quick. Then she sneaks up behind the guard who's playing with, his wa- with her watch. Just as he flips the watch over to camera mode. And what does he see on the camera? But the back of his own head.
1: Yeah, that was really
0: cool. That was really clever. I like that. <laughs> he turns around and also gets killed. Uh, she starts to leave, and the woman in the cell next to her tells her that she can help them find Kane if Sinclair will take her with them. This is Kane's daughter, Callie. Sinclair lets her out just as Viper arrives and a sword fight ensues. Well, they battle back and forth, and then Viper backs up against the cell door, so Callie does what makes sense. She grabs a fistful of hair and holds her against the door. Sinclair chops Viper's hand off, then chops her head off. And Viper's dead. She's we're we're gonna see her again, but she's dead. Oh yeah.
1: And it's just like uh like a character like that, something they build up like an uh image alone to like sell the movie and shit that they would get killed off pretty quickly. Yeah. But yeah, oh man, cut her hand off, cut her head off. And when they cut her head off, then her eyes open up like really wide, like bug out of her skull. That was a cool effect.
0: Right. But, uh, yeah, it was awesome. Sinclair frees Callie, and they meet up with Norton and Dr. Sterling as Saul discovers that Viper is dead. Sinclair and Callie arrive at a steam locomotive guarded by archers who appear to be waiting for Callie. Norton and Dr. Sterling are making their way to Sinclair. They haven't found him yet, but they're on their way to the train station. Norton says he thinks they've lost their pursuers, and as soon as he says that, motorcycles come launching over the car they're hiding behind.
1: Oh, my God. Yeah, they ramp over an overturned bus or something, and they got, like, <laughs> on the front of their motorcycles, and it's, like, just wild as shit. And it's, as, as soon as that
0: happens, that big, like, uh, bus with like, it's all decked out, like, Mad Max. Oh, out, Yeah. Though. They've got a city bus. Did you ever see that um, 1970s Clint Eastwood movie, The Gauntlet? I think I did. Yeah, He was supposed to be, it was, it was in the Dirty Harry universe, I think. And he was supposed to be escorting this prisoner back to testify at some trial, but the police chief didn't want her testifying, and so they tried to stop him. And eventually he ended up taking a Greyhound bus and building armor plating and driving it through the street as cops were just shooting into it. And that's what this kind of reminds me of. It's basically an armored city bus with gun turrets all over it.
1: Yeah, it's like, you know, something like the A-team would have cooked up, you know, it's like, well, I got all the sheet metal and stuff and like a cow catcher. Bam. Right.
0: Exactly. Well. They chase Norton and Sterling to the train station. Norton and Sterling jump over the turnstiles, but the motorcycles are better at jumping over cars than they are at jumping over turnstiles. And so that stops them for a second. Norton manages to make the train, but Sterling is having trouble. So Sinclair hops off and she's got a shovel, which she uses to brain the biker, allowing Sterling to make it to the train. Saul and his followers chase, but they can't catch up before everybody boards the train and watches angrily as they all ride the train off to Hogwarts. <laughs>
1: it's, uh, it's pretty accurate, yeah. I mean, uh, you're leaving the city, going to the country, so yeah.
0: <laughs> On the train, Callie explains that she actually can't take them to Kane because he'll have them all killed. Since they are, in fact, proof that there is life behind the wall, beyond the wall. And he's convinced everybody that there isn't anybody alive outside the wall, that the wall is there. The only thing keeping them alive. She also tells him that Saul is her brother. Yeah, man, it uh, just
1: really messed up family tree you got going on here. You know, right, right. This is the Kardashians. Yeah, it's like (laughs) the doctor. He went, made himself king. He spun the the story of the wall, you know, where it's like, oh no, they didn't put that up to keep us in. We put that up to keep them out. I yes. saved you. He becomes king of Scotland, and then he's got, uh, you know, a daughter who just wants to be out of here, and then like a son who like hates his father, so he's gonna like live exactly opposite way that his dad's living. You know?
0: Exactly, yeah. He's he's it, got his it, own little kingdom that he's king of. Yeah.
1: And it's, it's fucking like, it's really cool. And like, uh, I don't know, like the way they did that all and stuff, but, uh,
0: yeah, well, the train drops them off in the middle of nowhere and they start walking until they come to a service tunnel. It looks like, but it's actually an underground military installation filled with crates. And the guy says, one of the guys says, Man, what do they got in here? The Lost Ark? And then you see a crate that's stamped just like the one that they put the Ark in at the end of the first Indiana Jones movie. Yeah, I like that. They go through here until they get to the other side. They exit the tunnel in an area that looks an awful lot like the forest moon of Endor.
1: Yeah, it's like they just pop out on the other side and it's like they're in D&D land all of a sudden. <laughs> you expect to see fairies and man, it's like so and like. There's like, I don't know, like cool fall coming down the mountains. It looks like you're like I don't know, like the movie Excalibur. I don't know if you've seen that or
0: yeah, it
1: looks straight up like Excalibur.
0: So the group that we have now is Callie and Norton Sinclair Sterling and one of Callie's friends, I guess.
1: Yeah, he's just a guy with a bow and arrow. He's right.
0: Him. Well, they hear somebody coming, and Callie thinks it's Telamon who is Cain's executioner. Because if you hear horses in the distance, you just automatically assume it's the big bad. And guess what? It's the big bad. Yeah. (laughs) Sinclair and Norton are going to stay put as Callie and her partner and Sterling get some gone. They are soon confronted by a giant armored knight on horseback. And Callie and Sterling are taken by other mounted soldiers. Sinclair and Norton surrender and they're all marched off to Kane's castle and we officially enter Game of Thrones. Yeah, totally. Or the most depressing Renaissance fair I've ever seen. (laughs) You know that line, that, that bit in Monty Python and the Holy Grail where King Arthur rides by the people in the mud and one of them says, who's that? Uh, he's probably a king. Uh, you know he's a king. Oh, he hasn't got shit all over him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like that. <laughs> pretty much.
1: I didn't vote for him.
0: <laughs> Everybody has reverted to period dress, including those goofy woolen caps worn by medieval scribes. And behind Cain in his office, there is a pretty awesome stained glass biohazard symbol. Awesome. Yeah, that, that was tweets. Kane explains that he chose the castle to avoid survivors being noticed. He and his followers survived the Reaper plague by developing natural immunity. That, and alo- along with his bitterness over the way Scotland was cut off from the world, have turned into a religion like desire to remain pure by avoiding contamination from the outside world. So, all of this has turned into some weird cult that he's the leader of. Sinclair explains that they need Kane's help because the virus is back and Kane says they started this fire, they can burn in it. Damn. Cut to London in chaos as people are dropping dead in the street from the virus and violent riots rule the streets. The Department of Domestic Security is locked down, but not before one infected man gets in and kills a guard. Oh yeah,
1: I love that. It like uh, he hits him with like an axe or something, and then he looks up and it's like uh, place hand here. He immediately cups dude's hand off and then like opens the door and then just starts going in and like s- slicing more guards up. That was
0: great. Yeah, he he needs to get on the elevator to go up to the top floor, but there's a handprint scanner, so he chops the guard's hand off and puts it up there. Then as his, a voice instructs him to look into the retina scanner says, well, crap. So he goes <laughs> back and chops the guard's head off and then holds his head up to the retina scanner and it works.
1: Yeah. He just tosses it. He's like, yeah, sucker, all that money going to security and they took it out. But like a zombie would have fucking act like a exactly. fire. Exactly.
0: Well, he takes the elevator up to the top floor and pops out into the prime minister's war room. He chops the, a guard up and heads toward the prime minister. Bill Nelson is behind the guy and pulls out his gun and shoots him as some blast doors are sliding shut. But the doors don't close fast enough. And the prime minister gets splashed in the face with reaper virus infected blood.
1: <laughs>
0: he's like he's trying to play it off. He's like, no, I'm
1: I'm I'm I feel guy I feel fine. No, don't you don't you know like not nah, the the
0: guy's like uh uh-uh, uh no right Canaris orders the prime minister isolated in his office, then he congratulates Nelson on his good shot. But <laughs> made it a good shot. Well Canaris is in charge for real now. Dun 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 Back at the castle, Cain has ordered his daughter branded for bringing strangers in in order to burn the contamination out of her. And the way just before they branded her, the way she was screaming, daddy, 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 daddy. I mean, that was very convincing fear. I'll just say that. In his office, the prime minister takes out a pistol, loads it, puts it in his mouth, and then blows his brains all over a painting. Next, we see Kane and Sinclair talking. She's trying to convince him to come back to England. He's trying to explain to her how his brain broke when they isolated the country, separating him from his wife. <laughs> and he's said, what would you know about any of this? What have you ever lost? Oh, man. Inside in the castle courtyard, Kane is going to oversee Sinclair's trial by combat against Telamon. He is massive. She is unarmed. He's Again. wearing armor and she's wearing
1: a sports bra. Yeah, straight up uh uh Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome, you know. It's like like medieval, but like yeah, it's like uh and and it's kind of like uh Escape from New York where uh they got to do the Colosseum thing, but yeah, he's yeah an eight foot tall guy and made of metal, and she's like just a chick in like uh you know like, you know, booty pants and damn, you know. Like, pink top shirt and
0: yeah she's wearing yoga pants and a sports bra and he's wearing um iron armor <laughs> that's okay she puts up a hell of a fight meanwhile the guards come to another cell to retrieve callie norton and sterling overpower the two guards and take their keys they lock the guards in the cell and the three of them make their escape Norton finds the armory and equips himself with an axe and a bandolier of grenades. Nice. Outside, Sinclair is still fighting Telamon, but she can't find a weapon, so she runs up some spikes that are sticking out of the wall, grabs a guard that's just sitting on the wall, pulls him down, stealing his axe, just as Telemann swings his spiky mace, missing Sinclair, but squashing the guard's face like a pumpkin. (laughs) <laughs> that, was, that was a good gore shot, yeah. <laughs> well, Sinclair takes the guard's axe and just beats Telamon down. She turns her back on him to address Kane and says, What have I lost? I lost my fucking mind. And as she's saying this, Telamon stands back up behind her, so she just spins around and splits his head open with the axe. And the crowd isn't real happy about that outcome. No. That wasn't boo- very satisfying that. for them. Yeah. I like this. <laughs> <laughs> Kane's not real happy about it either. He orders the prisoners killed. And that's when a grenade goes off inside the castle. Norton is battling his way back to Sinclair. Kane orders an archer to kill Sinclair. So she just stands there and waits for him to take aim. I, I would have run, but uh, no, she just stands there and waits for him, waits for him to take aim. Just before he fires, though, Norton pulls out a pistol that apparently he's had the whole time and shoots the archer. (laughs) Kind of like Indiana Jones and that swordsman. Oh, yeah, with the whip, yeah. (laughs) Norton, Sinclair, Callie, and Sterling all steal horses and make their escape, and they are pursued by some of Kane's knights. They get to the tunnel and start running through the crates. Sinclair sends Norton to find a backup generator well he finds it and powers it on and turns on lights and the tunnel is just filled with shipping containers they open one of the shipping containers and inside is a badass Bentley oh man yeah
1: uh this obviously this came out like right when those came out and uh they they don't do like uh you know like like you know they they like here here's some free cars for you yeah they like,
0: bentley does not do product placement so the guy bought like three cars the one yeah. of them instantly got trashed
1: one of them just instantly got trashed. another one uh it didn't like a, a lot of the stunt work you know that we're about to go through right and then the third one was just for like you know here here's the car and they said the one that did all the stunt work uh It was pretty good. All they had to do to fix it was just do uh, like a reshell of it. Like the engine and everything ran well. They just had to like fix all the dents and cracks in it. Nice. So yeah, go Bentley.
0: (laughs) 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 Sterling and Callie fill the Bentley with gas while Norton opens up the blast doors and Sinclair looks for a cell phone in the maze of shipping containers. So Sinclair has a, a clipboard that has a manifest of what's in all these shipping containers. And she finds a crate full of cell phones. So she gets a cell phone. They all hop into the Bentley. Callie and Sterling are in the back seat. Sinclair's in the front seat. They're just waiting for Norton. However, Kane's men succeeded in busting open the door to the tunnel. And they're coming after them. And they catch up. Just as Norton is running for the Bentley, Norton gets filled with arrows before he can make it to the car. And that sucked. I like that guy. Yeah, he's great. I love
1: him in uh, The Hustle. Yeah. Uh, the show, The Hustle. And yeah, he's in a couple of good stuff.
0: Sinclair, Callie, and Sterling all make their escape without Norton. On the road, Sinclair charges the phone and calls Nelson who to to tell him that they're coming back nelson catches her up on what's happened to the prime minister she tells canaris you know if you want your prize just follow this signal so he sends his people to trace that phone call get the gps coordinate so she doesn't actually hang up she just puts the phone down and drives on i assume callie is the prize since she has developed an immunity to the virus yeah As Sinclair races toward the gate, a cop car appears behind (laughs) Uh Uh him. Even in a desert wasteland, you can't drive fast without getting pulled over. Turns out it's part of Saul's crew. They're trying to run her off the road. As the chase continues, motorcycles join the fun, one of them smashing Sinclair's windshield with a baseball bat. Sinclair pulls a handbrake turn and waits. And as the cop car comes around the corner, she shoots the tires out, causing the cop car to drive off a cliff. Yeah, that's lucky. (laughs) That's when the chase really starts in true road warrior style. Oh yeah, we've got that was
1: preamble. It was like you think that's going to be it, but like, nah, there go full on road warrior style.
0: Exactly. We got cars with rebar windshield. Saul's car has a human torso skeleton for a grill. There's a VW Beetle with a giant fan on the back of it. There's all kinds of crazy cars and they're all very old cars they've got. Yeah, they're all beetles. Whatever was left in
1: Scotland that still ran. They just punk rocked the shit out of it, you know?
0: I mean, they had newer cars in 2008. I don't, I don't know why they're all driving these 1950s and 60s things. But yeah, we'll go with it. It looks cool.
1: Yeah, and aesthetic. Yeah, it's like yeah, exactly. Of course, it would look like this.
0: Exactly. The chase is bank backed by Frankie Goes to Hollywood. Two tribes. Oh man, I love that song. It takes me back to playing like uh, Grand Theft Auto Vice City. Yeah.
1: It was on the soundtrack. It was like, oh, man, yeah, it was like stuck in your head after that, you know.
0: I remember watching that music video on Friday Night Videos. Oh, man, Friday Night Videos. Oh, yeah. I remember that shit. Also, it looks like the corpse of Viper is sitting in the front seat with Saul. Yeah, it totally is, there. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's great because a motorcycle pulls up beside the car, and this guy is going to shoot Sinclair with a crossbow but Sinclair hits the brakes just as he fires and the crossbow just shoots right through Viper's head. But like, she's already got like these weird sticks.
1: Whole, <laughs> in her, So it just adds like another stick to her hair. It's funny as fuck. Well, yeah.
0: <laughs> she's that, She's got <laughs> the, she's got the Steve Martin arrow through her head. It's <laughs> hilarious.
1: Fucking the funniest shit, man. <laughs> and, uh, Oh, man. Yeah. And that, of course, pisses Stall off. So he jumps
0: on the, the Bentley. Right. He jumps over to the Bentley trying to climb in the window. Well, there's nobody to steer his car now. So it runs off the road, runs into a big boulder. That causes St. Clair's head to just fall off in the seat. Rolling. Yeah. <laughs> you
1: see where like, her head was like, it, it's like in the back seat in the camera. And you just see where her head was like held on with like duct tape. And shit.
0: I loved that. That was so funny. Yes, it was good. While they're fighting Viper, Callie gets knocked out. Saul decides this is a good time to use the gun that he had all along. So he fires a shot at Sterling, but misses and accidentally shoots his own biker, who then causes a chain reaction crash with massive fireball. Lots of crashes, lots of gratuitous explosions from this point on. Oh, yeah.
1: This is where, like, the budget comes in. Oh, yeah. It's like, yeah, they, like, kind of did, like, a couple of stunts that, like, they would later do in Fury Road, kind of, but, like, on a lower budget, you know?
0: They've been in just about every Mad Max car chase, honestly. Yeah. I mean, it was was textbook George Miller Mad Max car chase, and I love it. They got that gimp on the front of the car. Right, they got the guy in the rubber suit on the front of the car. And he's like sticking his tongue out at the guy and shit. <laughs> Sinclair manages to push Saul out the car window and they drag him along for a little bit until he loses his grip, but they didn't actually leave him behind because we see him right away climbing up the back of the car with some pretty mean road rash. <laughs> He makes his way up onto the roof, and then the armored city bus appears coming from the other direction and skids to form a roadblock that shoots saw blades.
1: Damn, that's ingenious right there.
0: That was awesome. These were vicious blades, too. Just shooting them sideways out of the car. Just like in uh, Borderlands 2.
1: Oh, yeah. It's totally like some out of Borderlands, man.
0: Well, Sinclair floors it, intending to run right through the bus with Saul clinging to the roof of the car. Callie is conscious again, by the way, and freaked out by the fact that they're about to hit this damn bus. They just punch right through the middle of the bus. The bus explodes as they run through it. And we see Saul's screaming severed head flying toward the camera.
1: That was awesome.
0: That was so awesome. Sinclair... Sterling and Callie seem to have escaped when a helicopter gunship lands in the middle of the highway. They didn't see it coming from, off, from far off. It just appeared right there in the middle I of the know. road.
1: Like, they go through that bus and then they go around like a mountain or a cliff or something and then bam, out of nowhere a helicopter just lands right in front of them. Like, oh, just lands
0: shit. right in front of them. Sinclair gets out to meet Canaris and she does something behind her back with her watch. Oh, uh, we know. Yeah, she set that thing to record. Foreshadowing, yeah. Sterling is wants to know where the medical team is, and Sinclair sends him back to get Callie and says to Canaris, eh, you got to take it easy on him. He takes his job very seriously. You and I, we know what's really up. And she tricks Canaris into revealing his entire evil plot to withhold The vaccine that they're going to make from the antibodies in her blood until uh, enough people have died that they'll come begging him for the cure and he can be the hero that saves the world. Damn. And she just plays along with it. He does offer her a job, which she turns down, of course. Of course. Yeah. Then Canaris takes Sterling and Callie back to London. Nelson finds Sinclair in her childhood bedroom looking at a picture of her and her mom. She gives Nelson the little gold disc out of her watch with the recording that she made so that he can bring Canaris down. Outside, she steals Norton's Nelson cigarette as the side mirror falls off her Bentley, which prompts Nelson to ask her to make sure she drives carefully. Oh, yeah, I love that. She does like the little... A uh, lo- unlocked thing,
1: and like yeah, it immediately, like falls down. Like,
0: oh, <laughs> well, Nelson gets back in his helicopter and heads back to London. Well, this, everybody got like a fucking helicopter. Everybody, everybody in the Department of Domestic Security has their own helicopter and their own military security detachment. Man, it's a right. serious organization.
1: Seriously overfunded. Everybody's got to help. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, everybody's got a helicopter. Well, now that uh folks pretty much understand what's going on, it's okay to fly into Scotland. You know, they couldn't fly the team in because if you guys don't succeed, how am I gonna explain that we flew people into Scotland and Scotland's wall, a no-fly zone? Word. Sinclair remains in Scotland while Nelson releases the recording of Canaris talking about his evil plan. He releases that to the news media, and they put it on the giant screens on the side of the building, Blade Runner style.
1: Yeah, everywhere, every TV screen, all
0: everywhere. Sinclair goes back to the cannibal outpost, and she's carrying Saul's severed head. Oh man! She tosses it towards the cannibals and says, "If you're hungry, why not try a piece of your friend?" And they immediately make her their new leader. Roll credits. Roll credits. Dun da Damn, what a ride! That was a fun movie. I love
1: really cool action movies like this. They're like think outside the box, but also don't underperform action wise. Right. Plus, man, yeah, this guy was on a thing when he's like, "I'm gonna make a you know a Snake Plissken movie without Snake Plissken. And I'm gonna make a Mad Max movie without Mad Max,"
0: and he pulled it off. Yes. And he said he wanted to explore what it would be like if futuristic soldiers fought Medieval Night. He did it all. He did it. He didn't do
1: well, you know, in the box office. Uh, But when it came out on video, man, everybody's written this. It was like one of those, you know, like, oh, yeah, let's get it. You know, It's, it's a great like, you know, Saturday or weekend flick. You know, it's like, yeah, yeah. You don't want to think too much. You just want some solid action, some good uh quick jokes,
0: you know, and uh right. I mean, this movie failed at the box office because it caters to a very specific type of of fan. It, like you and me, the quirky sci-fi action movie fans. So, I mean, it's not going to appeal to the Fast and the Furious folks. It's not going to appeal to the uh, appeal to the superhero folks it's not gonna appeal to the straight-up fantasy or the straight-up sci-fi fans but the people who like the weird mix of that stuff when it's done well this is a wonderful movie hell yeah all right man i think that's a podcast hell yeah